Welcome to the Fellow Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lesperance. Listen in as I host humble discussions exploring the diverse expressions of Christian spirituality, tradition, and beyond. Enjoy, and safe traveling. Never say anything bad about the church. That's right. Otherwise, things were okay, but Gerard used to be the... Um, Sacristan, like the, the altar boy. Oh, yeah. Where I masses at the mustard seed. Uh huh. Yeah. He was a great fellow. He used to walk to St. to Blessed Sacrament from up here mm-hmm. to Mass at Blessed Sacrament. That's awesome. Yeah. And into his old age, he was doing that. Wow. Yeah. And then I guess he stopped after fashion, but. Mm hmm. Yeah, so Geraldine, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. Merry Christmas, or Thank day, you, day after Christmas. Christmas. Yes. It's nice to finally get the chance to sit down and chat with you. Um, Geraldine is one of the co-founders of the Catholic Worker Mustard Seed right here in Worcester. Is that right? That's right. At least that's what they tell me. <laughs> You're one of the founding members, is that yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you can tell me a little bit about that. But another interesting connection is that my uncle Gerard L'Esperance, French Canadian Catholic man, who is my father's uncle, my great uncle, um, used to be involved with the Catholic worker. And it wasn't until after he passed away that I even found out about it. Yeah. Because it was about a year after, well, actually, I met Mike Boover. Uh, about like really a few months after he died that because he died in the spring of 2020 when the pandemic was really taking off he was in the hospital and he didn't last very long Uh from what I hear it was kind of took him quickly which was very sad that was a really dizzying and crazy time um but Uncle Gerard was such an interesting character. And it was funny that I met, I ended up meeting Mike Boover, you know, just a few months later and being like, oh, I know your uncle, I know your uncle Gerard. And we talked about him and and it kind of created this um this connection. Like you were just saying before I, I think I started uh before I started um recording that Uncle Gerard or Gerard was a saint, or he's probably a saint. <laughs> It probably is. Yeah. He never talked much about anything else but the church and mm-hmm. God. And uh, he was a great man, really. He used to come to Mass of the Mustard State regularly. Mm-hmm. And as I said, he was the sacristan there mm-hmm. um, for quite a while. A good one, too, he was, as far as I know. 
And um, yeah, this is everybody liked Gerard. Mm -hmm. He was quite a fellow. Yeah, I didn't know much about him. I remember he used to come to my family parties and he kind of just sit there and smile and yeah. hang out, chill. And my aunts and uncles would drive him back and forth to to but they always wanted him to be involved and he'd always smile and and laugh and you know he was kind of awkward he was always socially awkward had a he had a hard time really fitting in well you used to say i'm i i was never meant to be in charge mm -hmm. say that regularly i was never meant to be in charge he was uh uh, singing in the Blessed Sacrament Choir. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he sang in the Blessed Sacrament Choir for a while. All of us Lesperances are musical. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, and he, um, I read about him in your book that you I wrote about. I was going to ask you if you had read that. I did, yep. Mike gave me a copy a couple of years ago, and I opened it up, and I'm going through, and, and he showed me the page where Gerard was. And I read it. I'm like, oh my goodness, all this stuff about Gerard. That's yeah. so funny. And his favorite saint was Padre Pio. Oh, yes. He said, pray something and don't worry. Yeah. Pray hope and don't worry. Pray hope and don't worry. <laughs> Which is <laughs> the nice thing about that is our last name, Les Balances, means the oh. hope. Yeah. yeah. French. It's L E S P E R A N C E. Right? That's right. Yep. It's phonetic. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. Desperance. Mm -hmm. Desperance. Pray hope and don't worry. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, did you ever meet his his brother, Paul, my my Pepe? No, I never met any of his relatives. Really? No. Oh wow. No, just Gerard. Mm-hmm. And how did he get so settled like in this area of Worcester? How did he get so involved? Well, he lived right up the street there and uh, I I think it was Cedar Street. Oh, yeah. There's a complex of um, housing, some kind of housing there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he lived in, I guess, suppose it was an apartment there. And that was very close to the mustard seed. So how he actually got directed to the mustard seed, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he used to come regularly. Not to the meal that I know of. Yeah. Uh, to the media, but to the mass, masses, yes. Mm -hmm. Mike was telling me once he used to go over Mike's house where they have he has his urban farm. Yeah. And he has a chapel set up there, and he actually helped them place the chapel, like he was kind of helping, um, right. <laughs> like a like an airplane, telling them where to land. Uh -huh. You know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was. He seemed like a supporting character. You know, right? He was. He was the least of the. He was the least. A good man. Mm -hmm. Humble. Very humble. Humble. Mm -hmm. That's right. As I say, he used to always say, "I was never meant to be in charge." Yeah. yeah. And he would say that regularly. I wasn't meant to be in charge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. Well, tell me about a little bit about yourself. Did you were you raised Catholic? I was raised Catholic. I spent most of my time in Catholic schools, except for this fifth and sixth grade where I went to public school. Other than that, I went to Catholic grammar school and Catholic high school and Catholic college. Mm -hmm. When I left college, I uh, got a job briefly with uh, 
Catholic Charities, which I love, but I, I left it. And uh, then I did a couple of jobs at, between that. And then I um, I worked at uh, Catholic Charities, and then I forget where I worked. Oh, I think I taught, no, I taught, uh, taught school third grade for a few years in Spencer. And um, then I, I didn't think I was doing enough, actually. So I, I quit that job after three years. And I um, landed a job at North High School, working with high school dropouts. And uh, it was there that I met Daria, who introduced me to um, Michael and Frank, because mm. I had talked about wanting to start a community. She said to me, I know just the people that you ought to meet. So she introduced me to Michael and Frank, and uh, the rest is history, so to speak. We met for about a year. They had, Frank had started a storefront on Pleasant Street. She answered the works of, of war with the works of mercy. And um, we came in at the tail end of that. And uh, then, um, then I, I was introduced to Michael and Frank, as I said, and we they were looking to buy a house, and I was came in on that group. We met regularly for a year, and finally we bought the mustard seed house, ninety three Piedmont, which was on the grounds that the mustard seed is now, but it was a different. Mm -hmm. It was a three decker. Oh wow! Yeah, and. Um, I quit my job. I, I moved into the Mustard House and I quit my job. And really, I couldn't keep up with everything, being up, up all night and then going into school, mm. teaching the next day or up often in the night. And so I um, quit my job, as I said, and um, saved the Mustard Seed for five years, nine months of which I went to California with the Grail, a group of Catholic women's group. One of my friends was a Grail member and I stayed with them for nine months. What's the Grail? It's a uh, Catholic group, women's group. Okay. International. And um, kind of like an, it's not like a holy order. It's just kind of like a They were all celibate as far yeah. as I know. Although I think they had some married members but otherwise they were celibate. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a little different now than it was then. But I wasn't so much involved with the Grail as I was with Veronica, my friend, who was the Grail member. And it was there that I stayed with this group of Grail women in San Jose, California for nine months. Then I decided to come back home and uh, came back to the Mustard City had a little conflict with Michael. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't his fault, it was mine. And uh, after five years at the Mustard Seed, I left there. You guys, you guys used to live in like a home together, right? Yes, three-decker. Wow. And we had about 50 people living with us. Wow. Yeah. They were living everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> in the closets, on the porches, everywhere we had people. 
just sleeping everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Must have been chaos. It was a little chaos. Do you have any stories from then that stick out in your memory? Oh. Well, I used to talk about Mama B, who was uh, one of the women that came to live with us, her and her big dog, Pepson. And she was, um, as I say in my book, she was very gracious, very gracious lady. She she loved to serve the priest, especially Father Bernie. Mm -hmm. Would you like a cup of tea, Father Bernie? Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Anyway, that was one of me, and we had a lot of things happen, I guess. One of the unfortunate stories, I don't know if I should even tell you this, <laughs> is um, there was a woman, Michael and um, Joanne had gone to Europe, and I was left to take care of the place. Mm -hmm. There was a woman, I forget her name now, young woman, apparently was overdosed. I didn't know at the time what was wrong with her, but I went up to take her to the hospital. Wow. And um, we got to the hospital and everything. And when I, um, when I got there, I forget now. Somebody came up from the mustard seed to find me, and he said that there was a gun at the house. So, oh boy, I remember this so clearly. I'm driving back to the mustard seed, and I'm saying to myself, <laughs> You're foolish to be driving into the gut, gun for God's sakes, you know. <laughs> but when I got there, the gun was gone, but what, and the people who had the gun were gone. Of course, this is what happens, in my opinion. The young, the old and the weak remain, and the young escape. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to the young and powerful. Apparently, the story goes, what happened was, there was a guy with a gun who held the gun to the head of the fellow that um, supposedly gave her the overdose. Oh, no. And he was about to shoot. I don't know if he actually shot the gun. He was doing like Russian roulette with her. Oh, wow. What happened, I found all this out later. What happened is his friend, they were a group of three of them used to hang out together. Of a nut man and somebody else had emptied the, the uh, bullets from the gun. Oh. It saved the guy. And so nobody, then he tried to shoot, but there were no bullets. Right. Nobody. Wow. And so nobody died that night. Oh, man. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. And the woman, uh, I guess, recovered from her. She must have recovered from her overdose. Whatever happened to the guy that gave her the overdose, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And the others, the fellow that shot the gun, I don't know where he went, but I, I saw him off and on for a while. As I said in my book, he was, uh, he could hurt you without even meaning to hurt you. Like his words? That, this, this is how he, how he was. 
Whenever you would saw, see me, he used to call me Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah was the bullfrog. Oh, my said, goodness. When he saw me, he'd say, Jeremiah was the bullfrog. And then he used to slap me in the back, in the back. Wow. And he wasn't hurting. He wasn't trying to hurt you. That's just his, He didn't mean to do that? His He's... way. Wow. Right. So that was one of the stories. Uh, no harm done. I, I later closed the house. Till Michael and Diane, Michael and because um, Michael got burnt out, right? And he went to California. He got burned out after 10 years. I got burned out after five. Wow. I had a nervous breakdown, actually. Wow. After five, after five. <clears throat> yes. And what were you guys doing that was so taxing at the time? Well, we had, as I said, we had living with us maybe 50 people. It seemed maybe it wasn't 50, but it seemed yeah. like 50 to us, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, the food was sometimes it was good because the the priest, Father LeBrand from Holy Cross, used to bring us the food left over from the priest's uh, dining. Oh, wow. And it was pretty fancy. That was uh, it. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, otherwise, there was a lot of bread going around. Mm -hmm. And one time I cooked lettuce soup. <laughs> Lettuce soup. <laughs> that sounds nutritious. We didn't have anything in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we were feeding people. I don't know how many meals a day we were feeding them. It was more than one or it was, I don't remember. People would come to the house just for a yeah. meal. And we had tables wow. and that. We had Charlie, who used to, good old Charlie. He was a wonderful fellow, Charlie Schlitz. He used to do the dishes. Mm -hmm. But as I said, one time we had to tell him to please use hot water. <laughs> to wash, yeah. To wash the dishes. The grease was getting stuck probably. <laughs> oh, boy. Right. So. Well, what inspired you to get involved with the Catholic Worker Movement? Well, I was... Uh, I originally went to visit... Catherine Doherty at uh, Cumbermere, Ontario, Madonna House. Have you ever heard of it? I don't know if I have. Well, it's a lay community in Cumbermere, Ontario. And I had read about Catherine Doherty, who was a Russian mm -hmm. something, some kind of a spectacle person, spectacular person. Yeah. Russian. Like a Russian saint or like a Russian... Russian Baroness. Oh, okay. I see. Right. Royalty. So I had read about her her autobiography when I was in the eighth grade. And after a while, I was living at one at some point with a friend on uh, Dover Street. And she had been a paper volunteer in a volunteer in uh, um, Mexico. She came home and we lived together. And so therefore there were some priests that used to come around too. And one of the priests, I think it was the priest, told me, it had to be a priest, that Catherine Doherty was alive and well in, in Cumbermere, Ontario. So when I left living with Diane and moved with these other friends of mine, Goulet's, uh, I made arrangements to go up there and visit. Madonna House. Yes, I was just interested. 
And uh, I went there and <laughs> it's kind of funny, really. I had just decided I was going to ask to stay there when they told me you had to leave. Wow. And I think that they never told me why I had to leave either. Mm -hmm. But I think it had to do with my, as I say, lesbian leanings. Oh, I see. They, But I didn't have any intention of going after anybody, you know, or anything like that. It was but, just it was just something you had talked about or something new about? Something we, uh, I went for a walk with this woman and I think that they suspected something going on, which there was not anything wow. going on. I wish that I had asked them why I needed to leave. After all these years, I don't still don't know exactly, but that's my thing it was. So anyway, I left there and uh, went to teach at North High School, as I said. And um, I had a, a assistant teacher, Gary, her name was. I used to talk to Gary all the time about wanting to put found a community mm -hmm. because I was impressed by this community in Madonna House. Oh, yeah, it inspired you? Yeah. <clears throat> so Darius said to me, I know just the people that you should talk to. That was Frank and Michael. Okay, wow. So he she introduced me to Frank and Michael. I told them about my desire to form a community. They told me about Catholic Worker. Mm-hmm. I did, I knew nothing about the Catholic worker until then. They, on the other hand, did know yep. the Catholic worker. And they told me whatever I knew about it, I learned from them, which was, was maybe not much. So that's how I got started with the Catholic worker. Oh, wow. We met for about a year about forming a house. And I had just given up on getting a a house, frankly, I said, oh, the heck with it. We're not going to get anything like that. Really? And lo and behold, this Piedmont Street house turned up. Yeah. Frank called me. I remember Frank calling me and telling me, you know, we, I think we have a house. Wow. Because he thought he had a house on uh, Russell Street. But that fell through. And that's when I said to myself, it's not going <clears> to <throat> happen, you know. Sure, real estate was cheaper back then. I think we paid... $15,000 for the house. Really? Was that a lot of money back then? I don't think it was a lot of money. No. Enough. Not too bad. Honestly, that would probably be like less than a hundred grand today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that I'm sure the house is paid for by now. Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. Well, then you had renovations. I don't know if you have a loan on that. But... <laughs> well, this... And then there was a, a fire mm -hmm. after I was out of the mustard seed at the time, at, by that time. But there was a fire. They, they never did find out how it happened. I have an idea how it happened, but yeah, I don't know. And uh, then there was a fire. Then there, there was they wanting to um, rebuild a soup kitchen. And there was no more living in the living space to mm -hmm. that. But um, the mustard seed, as it is now, was really made 
through donations. Wow. People from uh, people from the the area and surrounding places, I suppose. Mm -hmm. The Diocese of Worcester. Wow. I think Bishop Harrington had a lot to do with that, and Bishop Tinsley, and Father Tinsley, mm -hmm. both of whom are dead now. Wow. So does that answer your question? Yeah. Well, I was also interested, like, in you personally, like, what, like, getting into, like, your conception of faith and spirituality, like, what was it spiritually or even theologically that inspired you to want to get involved with this kind of work? <clears throat> well, I still don't think I'm that faithful or inspirational. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Actually. I'm not sure. It was the drive for community that yeah. moved me, actually. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was moved by the idea of doing the works of mercy and a personal sacrifice. Right now, I don't have, I'm not making a personal sacrifice. You've done your part. Maybe. You're in retirement. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And uh, we hope that. We've done the works of mercy at a personal sacrifice. We hope that we've um, followed the directive of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I say, I'm not particularly faithful, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But maybe I am faithful enough, I hope. I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, every, you know, every... For every person it looks different doesn't it like think about all the people you've met over the years a lot of people who are in rough shape some people who at least appear to be t put together priests and random p folks you know but they all have their own connection to god their own they're each their own puzzle in the divine image mm -hmm. right so it's like uh it adds as variety. Yeah. As spice. Everybody is different, I suppose. Mm -hmm, for sure. I don't know if there was anything that inspired you in particular. I'm sure, you know, obviously Jesus, his commandments. And, you know, the Catholic social teachings been something I've been really fascinated by, too. Mm -hmm. It seems like such a, a beautiful and, like, foundational piece to a lot of this charity work or even not even just charity, but like, uh, I guess, prophetic work, you know, trying to change systems, not just put band-aids on problems. Yeah. The, um, <clears throat> Francis and Therese does a lot of just social justice work. Mm -hmm. We try to do a little here and there. They're another Catholic worker here in Worcester, Yes, right? they're on Mason Street. Mason Street. Okay, cool. They're great. They're a great group. Husband wife team. Mm -hmm. They um and they house a number of people. I don't know if it's six or more. Oh wow. Uh regularly. And they have been all over the world doing wow. social justice, peace and justice. Like doing kind of mission trips, right. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's neat. Yeah. Great. 
what inspired you to start writing about the Catholic worker? Wow, that's kind of funny. In a way, it just happened. It started with Michael. Mm -hmm. In fact, it started and finished with Michael. Really? I'll tell you how. <laughs> Michael was thinking of doing a newsletter for the Catholic worker. Mm -hmm. He had done a newsletter earlier on in the early days. He used to do a newsletter. But he was thinking of starting a new newsletter. And so I said to him, Michael, if you do a new newsletter, I would like to have a column called People I Have Met. Oh, cool. And uh, said, okay. Then he never did do the newsletter. <laughs> but I began to write, just write about different people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... I would show him or somebody else as I wrote it. Just begin to write it. I don't know really why. If I thought he was still going to do the newsletter or if I just started writing it. You started in making a list of people that you wanted to write about. Yeah. Writing about them. Right. I like how you... Because um, what's the book called? The Saints and Rascals. Saints and Rascals, yeah. Um, I don't know if people can buy it online. But no. No, you probably just have to... You know, send it, send me a message and I can send you one if you're interested. But but it also features my Uncle Gerard. Oh, yeah. My great Uncle Gerard. I loved reading about him. Yeah, he was great. And I like the little poem that you added of each person. Yes, I did. <laughs> so that was, oh, so anyway, I started writing these little ditties about each person. Mm -hmm. I showed them to Michael. And then after fashion, he said to me, Jerry, you have a book. You have a whole bunch of them, right? <laughs> yeah. I said to myself, a book, really? And I said, yeah, you have a book. So I, I'm not sure what happened from there. Oh, I know what happened. So, you know, people, different groups come to the mustard seeds to do with the meal. Mm -hmm. It so happened that this fellow, Tim Morris, his name is, was that the mustard seed in the kitchen. Michael happened to be in the kitchen too. They get talking, and it appears that Tim Morris was a uh, like an editor. Mm -hmm. I forget if he was actually called an editor or what, but he worked for a publishing company. Mm -hmm. So Michael really, and in the meantime, I was sending the the manuscripts to a friend of mine to type. Anyway. I had this friend of mine type up the manuscripts and I gave them to Michael and Michael had them printed up in the book. There is the book, Saints and Rascals, a Catholic mm -hmm. Worker Memoir. That's awesome. And I'll just did you have them like typed that. out or did you have did you actually handwrite them? I handwrite wrote them and then wow. I had a friend who typed them out from there. That's great. Yeah, it was yeah. good. And then from the typing went the pub the publication. But I've been thinking lately, I should ask Michael, I don't know how some of it got together, like the the, um, the cover, for example. I never picked out that cover. Somebody did, the, the yeah. black and white. Yeah, somebody did, black and Maybe white. Maybe the guy who did the editing and publishing. Right, because it was a picture of the house. Oh, yeah. 
the original. Oh yeah, there's a copy right there. <laughs> right. See, that was the original. Yep, yep. Oh yeah, that's great. Must have seen house. They must have asked for a picture. Yeah. Wow, look at all the people hanging out, smoking cigarettes outside. Yeah. That was the one that burnt down. Yeah. Wanting oh. something funny. What's funny? This um see, can you see here there are different stickers? Like stickers, yeah. Yeah. One of them said no nukes. No news. No nukes. Nukes. Oh no nukes. <laughs> That's and great. A guy came by and asked Michael, what's a nuke? <laughs> Uh, who's a who's a nuke? He thought that it, it was like oh, a person, like an, oh. like an Eskimo or something. No nukes. <laughs> so he said, "No, no, it has to do with nuclear power, nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons." Right? Yeah. Wow, that's funny. I mean, during that time, what was that like the early seventies, right? Yeah, seventy-four. That was still the height of the Cold War, right? That must have been scary times. Yeah. I mean, it still is. There's even more bombs now than there were back then. Yeah, yeah. And they've only gotten more powerful. Right. It's really sad. But yeah, so you you ended up getting that book published. Right. That's pretty they cool. They all fell into place. Mm -hmm. They said there are no coincidences with God. So now, did you write the stories based off of just your own experiences and memory of the people? Oh, you didn't. But... You didn't ask anybody else for. Hey, what what can I say about this person? Oh no! Really? You were that involved? Oh yeah. With each person. Wow. Yeah. No, I wrote them all myself. That's cool. Makes me think of like the gospel writers, right? Like they had to write down what they had seen, but then they'd also go and like ask people like what did jesus say about this oh yeah what did mary do about this you know what i mean yeah <laughs> i can picture them like trying to comp compile the stories mm -hmm. together right no i don't remember asking anybody about it at all i lived right with them yeah lived right there you know you witnessed it all together. that's so. cool so then did you write any anything else no i was thinking of writing an autobiography but i think i'm too bored you're too bored Boring. Boring? I doubt you're boring. <laughs> I um, I keep thinking uh, uneventful, the word uneventful. Uneventful? Yeah. That's so funny because if you ask um, me and my friend Boris, we like look up to you and Mike so much. We're like, wow, they're such cool people, <laughs> you know? You might feel like you're powerless, but it just living the way you have lived has been inspirational. Yeah. Wow, thank you. I hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the impact that you've had along with Mike and Frank on the mustard seed and this whole neighborhood that we happen to be. It's kind of cool that you live right in the neighborhood. Yeah. And this is a nice apartment. Not bad. No, it's not bad. It's, I've been here 32 years now. This apartment? Yeah. No way. Yes, way. <laughs> Good for you. Frank. Frank. Um, Kaz, as I said, mm -hmm. Kaz has just gone to the hospital yesterday. Yeah. He's got heart, heart condition. So he lives upstairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I first moved in, this apartment was all new. All dead over. Yeah. Of course, now it's old. I mean, that's crazy to think. I, I thought when you said that, you meant like, oh, like a couple of years ago, but no, this is they're <laughs> old, longer than I've 
been alive. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. And do you have family still? Yes, I have a sister in Maine, and her, she has one nephew in Albany, New York, and three uh, two nephews and a niece I have in Maine. Mm -hmm. For the most, they're all away, far away from here. I texted my sister just this morning, though. Yeah. That's so, nice. For the holidays, nice to keep in touch with people. Yeah, I try to call her every day. Really? Yeah. Whether she likes it or not, I say. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Wow. And what have you been up to these days? Just. Well, I go swimming three days a week. Oh, good. Not swimming, but water aerobics. Yep. Mm. And uh, go to the mustard seed, usually Tuesday, Wednesday night for dinner. Mm -hmm. And that's about the extent of my escapades. That's exciting. Um, I know it's like a very personal thing, but would you be interested in sharing anything about like what what role or impact like your sexuality has had within your spiritual walk or even just life in general? Well, if you want to, it's been difficult. Yeah. I would be willing to say it's been very difficult. Yeah. Um, I didn't say to myself, well, I'm a, I'm a lesbian, therefore I'm going to go find a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. What happened with me is I merely fell in love with a woman. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. It just happened. And uh, she's since, since married somebody, a man, but at the time, I had fallen in love with him. And um, it was difficult for me because I was a daily communicant. And yet I was supposed to be, this is how I felt. If I were to stand before God, he would not condemn me. I didn't feel like I would be condemned. But the church mm -hmm. did condemn me, really. Yeah. My actions, in other words. So um, I found that difficult. I was out of the church for a while, especially if I was with somebody. And uh, But lately, things are turning around a bit. Yeah. You know, the Pope has just come out with allowing marriages, gay marriages to be blessed. For the couples to be blessed. Yeah. Although the official teaching of the church hasn't, isn't changing. Right. It's, it's an interesting concession. And it's a lot, it got a lot, it has a lot of people confused because they're not really sure what he means by it. You know what I mean? I think it has a lot to do with what's happening in Germany. I don't know if you're familiar. The German bishops, a lot of them are like Catholic bishops are pushing, are trying to push with to um like gay marriage in the church or, or gay unions in the church and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that's causing a lot of tension. And it, yeah, so anyway, but yeah. And like, so I mean, be, being involved with the Catholic worker, it, it's it's interesting because it's it's like, it's loosely Catholic. Obviously, there's people who aren't. Not all people are Catholic. There's yeah. Protestants involved. There's even other religions that are involved. You know, other religious groups and spiritualities. And even people like my friend Boris, who's just an agnostic. You know, 
not really sure what he believes or whatnot, but they love the mission yeah. of helping the least of these. And well, I think um, gay the gay life is sort of the dirty little secret of the Catholic worker. Mm, oh yeah, because as far as I know, there are gay people yeah. who are involved in the Catholic worker, but they're not. I don't think it's openly discussed at all. And I could be wrong because I don't know the workings of the New York Catholic worker very well. But They're all pretty diverse, aren't they? I think so. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not like it's not it's very decentralized, too. There's not like a central authority saying, like, this is what you have to do to be a Catholic worker. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. I really don't know if there are gay people in the Catholic worker, but I, I would think that they're on. Mm -hmm. And um, as I said, I think it might be like the jury room secret. Mm -hmm. Not much talked about there. And what's to talk about, as you say, the church condemns yeah. gay life. So mm -hmm. anyway, I'm, I'm alone now. I don't have any partners, so frankly, it's easier for me. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's can, easier. I could be in the church and receive communion without feeling like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's been difficult though. It, it seems like that's really what it comes down to is like your, your own conscience. What is your own conscience telling you, you know, mm -hmm. to some degree, God works through that. I, I'm, I'm really curious to um, thank you for sharing that, you know, intimate information. I know it's like, not that it's like taboo really to talk about anymore as much as it was, but like still it's important for people to hear those stories because reality is like gay people exist, you know, LGBT people exist in their world. And it's, and you know, it's, it's an interesting and dizzying thing to, for a lot of people to understand and make sense of. And I'm always curious how, you know, what effect does it have on people's spirituality? It's a, it's a type of, it's like God allows, you know, us to go through things and even have things in our identities that form us and for better or for worse, but even like, that's why I'm curious to, I was curious to hear, you know, what effect did it have on your spirituality and your walk with God and life? Well, mostly, as far as the church goes, I guess I need to talk about the church more, is um, I mostly stayed out of the church if I was with a partner. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> as I said, though, I felt that if I stood before God, I would not have a problem about that. So you always felt, you still felt a connection to God regardless. I still felt a connection mm -hmm. to God, but I also stayed out of the church pretty much mm -hmm. for a while I yeah. was with somebody, which was, I don't think I could allow myself to receive communion and be with somebody at the same time. Mm -hmm. Other people do. Yeah. I know somebody who's married to a man, he's a man, he's married to a man. This fell 
I find him admirable because he's very faithful to the church. He goes through all the masses of mass obligation, holidays mm -hmm. of obligation, so forth. But he does not receive communion. Really? I never talked to him about it, although I kind of would like to. But I admire that in him because he's, I. this is all speculation on my part. Uh -huh. He is doing what he believes should be done. The church doesn't allow you to receive communion under the circumstances, so I'm not going to receive communion. And mm -hmm. he takes it upon himself not to. Yeah. You know. He remains faithful. Yeah. Even even though it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. At times it, it is hard, you know, even not even just um if you're a gay person or whatnot, you know, it's still it's still there's a lot of people who just flippantly who are heterosexual and just flippantly show up and don't care about their sins, you know. They just they go up and receive the Eucharist without even, you know, right. caring or having any conscience about it. So that is that is mm -hmm. pretty remarkable. Yeah, I think so too. Mm -hmm. But he still wants to be there. You know? Yes, and he goes, he's extraordinary in this sense. And mm -hmm. Like, if it's a holy day of obligation, he's there. Yeah. You know, if if it's a Saturday or Sunday, he's there. And yet, yeah. we never, as I said, we never talked about this, but I noticed he does not go to communion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he would have definitely in the past. Okay. Yeah. But no, mm -hmm. I think he just says to himself, well, the church doesn't allow it, so I'm not going to do it. One time I did say, we, we did talk about him talking to the priests about it, but when I brought it up again, he's, he's much as said, well, no, I made up my mind or something like that, you know. He wasn't going to talk to the priest about it because what yeah. was the priest going to do? Really? Yeah, exactly. So it's a hard thing to do, and and it'd be tough. It puts it, you know, it makes it tough. Obviously, it's difficult for him, but for a priest, you know, having an obligation to stick with what the church believes, you know, and then, but also wanting to have compassion, and I think that's what's going on now. Like in the Vatican, there's this Pope is a uh, Pope Francis is a very merciful guy. He's all about mercy, and I think he's trying to, you know, understand, like, in what way can we serve LGBT people better, you know, without changing the official teachings of the church, but, like, he's he still wants to have compassion, and I think that's why, like, trying to write on, like, the nature of blessings and what does it mean, you know, and specifically talk about this topic, it's controversial out there in the world and it's it's interesting yeah but it but this is what this is what we this is the time and place we live in right and it's mm -hmm. like um that was joan of arc who says you were born for such a time as this i don't know if that was joan of arc might not have not been of <laughs> but yeah we we live in this time you know and this time isn't the time before it's mm -hmm. not and it's not even the time in the future like we're here we have to be here now in this present moment and and confront what we are currently confronting yeah right. 
Yeah. Well, my uncle Gerard, I know we talked a little bit about him. Do you have any stories about him? <laughs> no more than what I already said, yeah. I guess. I didn't know Gerard real well. Yeah. <clears throat> Although I can still see him sitting at the table at the mustard seed. Not for dinner, but for after the mass, we used to. We don't usually get together after mass anymore, but we used to get mm -hmm. together a little bit after mass. And I can remember him saying, um, "I wasn't, I wasn't made to um, be in charge." Yeah, <laughs> and he was very adamant about that. Yep, he just wanted to be a. That's crazy what you wrote in the um in the book about how he had a, like a lobotomy at one point because he had some severe mental health issues and then he ended up in he was in Worcester State Hospital he had a rough life and and his mother apparently was unable to take care of him wow Marianne his older sister Marianne, to take care yeah. of her take care of him yeah. There's not many of those Les Bronces. I don't. I don't think there's any more. There must be. There must be some other of my Pepe's um, brothers or sisters around. There might be one or two. I don't know. But um, yeah, Gerard. I feel like he could have been a priest under the right circumstances. Yeah. So could have my Pepe. So my Pepe Paul wanted to become a priest, and my Meme Marianne wanted to be a nun, but. Um, they both felt called to get married so they got married and they had as many kids as possible <laughs> so they ended up having 15 children wow yep my dad's the oldest boy mm. how old is your father now he's gonna be 66 oh, on young. january 6th they're all young relatively i mean my pepe died at 68 when he was yeah he died young he had diabetes didn't take care of himself he died in 2002 my meme passed away in 2015. I think she was 75 or so. So she wasn't even that old, you know, when she died either. But they both had really bad health issues. They didn't take care of themselves because they were always taking care of other people. And yeah. they worked several jobs. And it was rough. It was tough times. It's not easy to have that many kids. Yeah, I'm sure. It's a lot of sacrifice. But it made us a big family, which is nice. And all the 15 children are alive except for my Marianne. She, my Aunt Marianne, she she was the firstborn. She died a few years ago Is from cancer. She's the one they call Marianne? Marianne? No, Marianne was my uncle, my Pepe's sister. So, so Pepe, my Pepe Paul, his brother was Gerard and Marianne. And there's another one, Marcel, which who Marcel is still alive. Marcel lives in Japan, actually. He was a musician. And he married a Japanese woman oh. and became like a musician back in like the 60s and 70s. He's been there ever since. Mm -hmm. like, he's only come back a few times, but so it's an interesting, interesting family. Yeah, but, that's for sure. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Any closing thoughts about the mustard seed, what it has meant to you over these years? Well, I guess I found a vocation. Yeah. And uh, 
It's kind of odd that I left the mustard seed in 1979 about, and here I am still back in a different capacity 51 years later. Really? You know? 51 years later, is that big? 79 was 51 years ago? No, 70. 72, I think it started. Yeah, 72, yep. And then uh, from there it was 51, it's 51 years. Oh, so you, you've you like left and come back. Yeah, well, I, I was only with the mustard seed really for five years. And of those, I was nine months in California. So I was yeah. really not there that long mm -hmm. as far as living goes. I've always been in the area. Mm -hmm. You're from Worcester? I was born in Hopedale, Northern uh -huh. Hopedale. And then I grew up in Bendon. And then I went to college, and from there I came to Worcester. I see, yeah. It's a good city. I like Worcester. Me too. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. So did you get out what you needed to hear? I think so. Yeah, thanks so much for chatting with me. You're welcome. You're a good interviewer. Thanks. <laughs> Merry Christmas and a happy yes, new year. You too. Thank you. Lord, Lord, the nature of your wrath It's not an easy path But I'm willing to trust Though I'm dying in the dust